Welcome here, everybody. My name's Mark. I'm really glad that you're here today, and we welcome you, who, if you're coming here and you're new to our church, and I hope you're doing well in these days of COVID. I've been praying a lot these days because a number of people have been calling me or emailing me, texting me, asking me, what does the Bible say about families, and how can we help some people who are on the edge of separation or even worse? The pandemic has uh, made us stay at home, and to be frankly about it, uh, sometimes it's caused great grief and pain for some people who are struggling with their spouse. So I've set aside the next 11 weeks to focus on developing a healthy, God-honoring family. Our text today is a kind of a, a few strategic uh, passages to enlighten our time together. The truth of the importance of the family is grounded specifically in the book of Genesis. And I want to, you don't have to turn there, but, um, but if you are at home and watching this and you're normally asked to read or stand when we read, now would be the time if you want to stand. And I'm going to give some, some comments. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created everything, by the way. And the pinnacle of creation is men and women. Verse uh, chapter 1, 20, verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. In other words, humans are created in God's image to rule the earth, to be unique relationship in unique relationship with God and family members. Chapter 2, verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. In other words, he's saying we are made by God for each other, a special relationship with a spouse. Chapter 2, verse 22. Then the Lord God made a woman and brought her to the man. An amazing picture of God's design and creativity to the family to be a place of fruitfulness and intimacy. Chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. That is why a man leaves his father and mother, is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. People's marriage is about intimacy and family and being created by God himself. He creates the parameters and the mission, which is to love each other. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for creating men and women. Thank you for creating the family. And your desire was to create a, a, a wholesome place for kids to be raised and for you to be glorified and our world changed. We pray for those that hear this and are grieving because of pain in their family. Lord, teach us, give us courage and comfort. We need your grace. In your name we pray. Amen. Life can be both chaotic and unsettling without a sense of what normal is. Let me explain. Uh, I still remember the first time I flew uh, in a small airplane. My brother, who'd just gotten his license, bought a small plane, and he and I wanted to go for a little buzz on a Saturday. And it was interesting, this small plane, and I've never really been in a small plane before, so I was anxious. I had all kinds of questions, wondering about this noise and that noise and why the plane was operating that way. And every time, my brother Dean said, he'd look over and he'd smile and he said, don't worry, that's normal. You see, as soon as I knew it's normal, I'm at ease. The dashboards of cars and trucks and whatever else have temperature gauges and oil pressure gauges, but to the average person, it doesn't mean anything very much. In fact, you could say to them, my temperature shows uh, it's 180 degrees, uh, and so you want to say, so what? The key is knowing whether 180 degrees is normal or not. Then one smart manufacturer a long time ago put a green background in the, go in the normal zone. So if your temperature engine of your engine or whatever gets into that, if the needle gets there, you know it's green, normal, drive on. If it's in the red, you got a problem. Today I want to des describe biblically 
what is normal for healthy Christian families, what things are normal and what things are not normal, which things are healthy and what things are not healthy. We're going to talk about some stuff. How do we know that the green, what is the green range for our family in certain areas? Well, that's where you go to the Bible. The Bible is our standard to evaluate the family and the origin as well of the family and how we're doing in our family now. So I'm going to be asking every once in a while, are you in the green there or in the red? So with the help of a bunch of articles from an organization called Focus on the Family, as well as messages that I've given, messages that I've heard, I pulled together six characteristics of a healthy family. And I, I, I send you to the uh, cachurch.info for the outline, because you might want to write some stuff down if you're going to talk to your kids about this. Let, let, let's go through all six of these characters today. And uh, next week, I'm not sure what I'm doing. I'm thinking of changing some things, but we'll see. The first characteristic of a healthy Christian family is from the concept forwarded by a psychologist called Dr. Yuri Bronfrenbrenner. Yeah, it's a name. Uh, when he was asked to describe why the family is so important to impacting our lives, he said the family is the only institution that exemplifies an irrational commitment to its members. This leads us to our first characteristic of a healthy family, which is healthy families display an irrational love for and commitment to each other. Healthy families naturally and not naturally and irrationally love each other, regardless of age, sex, sexuality, competencies, attractiveness, the list goes on and on. The term irrational is truly used in this situation because we love simply does not make, our love does not simply make sense, but we all know it to be true. The truth of this is found in that great book called Bambi. The episode was when Skunk named uh, Flower, anyhow, and the rabbit named Thumper, my favorite, were talking about the deer named Bambi who lost all sense of normality when the girl deer entered the storybook. Thumper correctly diagnosed this disease, calling it Twitterpated, and Bambi has never been the same since this girl deer walked in on him. Like Bambi, I've been infected with the same disease numerous times. I have this over and over in my lifetime. There's been institutes, or sorry, there's been instances of two very normal people who get goofy when they meet. Then it seems like the world stops for them. You've, your friends are like this. Some of us as men go to great lengths to do things that are amazing to try to get this woman to pay attention to us and so we can marry one of them. Craziness. Then this couple has a baby, and the world as it knows, as it's known, stops all over again. The world, they think, revolves around this child whom they think is incapable of ever doing anything wrong. The child fills their pants with whatever, and the parents rejoice in this great accomplishment. And then they become grandparents. And worse, they start buying t-shirts with goofy sayings on the front, eating mounds of ice cream because their granddaughter wants ice cream. The truth is, this is in the green zone, normal. I remember the irrational yet true feelings I had in the, del the delivery room from our first son named Ben. I was in awe, I was afraid, I was happy, I was overwhelmed, I was completely twitterpated by this kid. Again, I can still remember the nurse holding him all wrapped in blankets and she looked at me and said, you wanna hold him? And I said, can I? She said, I think you're the dad. All of a sudden, this whole weird zone came upon me, the green zone. And it's right and normal. It doesn't have to make sense. I still remember carrying that little one around in the delivery room and I'm just talking to him and it was the coolest thing. 
Marrying something, someone, becoming a parent, becoming a grandparent has so much goofiness in it, yet this irrational love is completely normal for Christians. What is the practice of the theology behind these feelings and actions? I believe in John 3.16, God said, for he loved the world, that he gave his one and only son. Totally irrational. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us. And then that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Irrational, but totally in the green realm. In the green realm. I remember serving communion after her son was born, trying to answer the question in my head, how can God love me this much to send his only son? I'd never send my son for me. Wow. God irrationally loves us. And that love is to be shared with how we treat each other in our families. Two quick questions. Number one, in your family of origin, did you receive irrational love and feel treasured and cared for? If you can say yes, I thank the Lord for that, for you. But if you haven't been in that, I want to pray for you. You need to experience the irrational love of God the Father, and either from Him directly or from one of His messengers that will change the trajectory and the goal of your life. Secondly, are you irrationally loving each other in the family now? Jesus said, Matthew 22, verse 37 and beyond, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it as well. Love your neighbor. Love your spouse. Love your children as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Irrational love for each of us is in the green zone. So take a minute and rate yourself. On the outline that I have, there's a, a, a rating of one up to 10, 10 being the best. Take a minute and say, do I need, do I need some work on this? Give you a moment. The second characteristic of a healthy family is do we communicate to each other with truth and grace? Jesus came to earth to communicate with everyone who wanted to know about what, what God was really like. And to do so, he became a man, and he communicated as a man full of grace and truth. John chapter 1, verse 14, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. One key factor of overall family communication effectiveness is solely related how a mom and a dad communicate relationally. I have found that when moms and dads talk to each other openly and honestly, politely, saying even difficult things to each other graciously, these are the building blocks of, and signs of a healthy marriage and a productive family. That's often how children learn how they should talk to each other, in the family. And then they do the same thing with their spouses later. A few years ago, a dad told me how he knew that his daughter needed to talk to him, but... He really was busy. He was busy shutting one company down and starting another and laying people off and hiring, rehiring and moving his, his parts and all kinds of stuff. It was, he was busy. But he knew she wanted to talk. So he said, listen, I have a little bit of, high, of time right now. Can you hit the high spots for me so I can kind of get this and get to my meeting while I'm on the run? And her response was, uh, no thanks, Dad. I'll wait until you can listen slow. Healthy families understand the importance of communication and they prioritize it. 
They work on it. They create opportunities to talk and to listen. As they know that good communication doesn't just happen, we need to draw things out from each other, especially when it comes to our feelings, which for some people is real scary. Here's some practical theological to-dos to do regarding communication. Number one, listen first, then talk. James 1.19 says, Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Some think as a parent that we are to tell people, tell the kids what to do, rather than coach kids to make the right decision on themselves. I think we need to listen first and help them understand that this is the correct way to make decisions, not just do as they're told. We want to create people that make great decisions themselves. Secondly, speak the truth in love. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. Speak with grace. Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. Let your conversation always be full of grace. Isn't that interesting? Always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Not telling them what to do, but how it can be. And then, fourthly, encouraging one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. God asks us to pour courage into our friends, into our kids, into our spouses, which will give hope I got a friend of mine and he pours courage into my life. I'll tell you, it's the greatest thing. Number five, talk first to God. Psalm 114.3, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips and ask him to help us say things in grace and truth. Not that which kills kids' souls, but what will help our children. Folks, we need to create times of opportunity to talk to our kids and listen to our kids. That was the reason we got a hot tub. Some people came to us and they said, you know, we did the best thing we've done in years, maybe ever. We bought a hot tub and we put our kids in the hot tub and they start talking to us. Good. I would say that that's great. And that's what we did. And you know what? It worked really well to get at least a couple of our kids talking because they're quiet. I would also say go for a walk, not a run. When you're running like crazy, at least I'm near death, so I, I'm not the good guy to talk about, but, but to walk together and talk. We laugh a lot at ourselves and at our kids. Now, the sound of my kid's voice, I'll just let you know, the sound of my kid's voice, my, grand, my grandkids' voice, and especially Diane's voice laughing is the most therapeutic sound I have in my life. Friends of ours come, came over a little while ago and they sat in our hot tub and we had to tell us that their marriage is failing. And we talked about telltale signs of that and what happened. And they spoke and they said, well, one thing we see in your marriage is that you're always laughing. We never, Dan and I thought, That's, we're not always laughing. But apparently, compared to some couples, we laugh at each other. We laugh with each other a lot. Laughter is a serious deal. I think it's one of the greatest relational mes- uh, uh, medicines that we have. So rate yourself how you're doing on communication. One to 10, 10 being the best. I'll give you a moment. Thirdly, healthy families affirm the value and uniqueness of each family member. A simple look at creation reveals that God is a God of variety and uniqueness and color and creativity. 
rather than the bland personality that many non-believers give God. God speaks and creativity and color happens, both in creation and hopefully in our lives as He speaks to us. God loves variety, but many times we mock variety. We mock people who are different than us in skin color or anything else. And often family is a place of acceptance and, ver and variety and uniqueness for each member. That's the green zone. It almost humorously how it's almost humorously uh, interesting how God puts morning people with night people, clean and organized people with junk collectors. Uh, think with me for a moment as we look at different issues in our lives, for instance, uh, planning vacations. When we're planning vacations, we got one person that wants sun and hot and sand. We got another person that wants to camp in nature. We got another person who wants a snowmobile. We got some that want to sail, and God puts them all in one family. Regarding TV shows, some want, to want ESPN, some want MTV, some want PBS, some want to watch CNN and others TSN and many more. If our family went out for supper, we found it this way. Tim always wanted bulk. Diana and Alicia always wanted atmosphere. Matthew always wanted nutrition. Ben wanted tasty and I wanted cheap. Differences can be a disturbing to some, but it isn't. It's a strength. Being different gives us strengths. God created each of us with uniqueness, and He treasures each of us the same. The author Rodney Clapp, in his book, Families at the Crossroads, states this, A family is a kind of training camp where we learn to accept and celebrate the uniqueness in one another so that we can liberally spread and share the love of Jesus in the kaleidoscope variety of all people that exist in the world around us. Healthy families celebrate and enjoy the uniqueness of each other. Therefore, it makes it very easy to enjoy the uniqueness of other people, other kinds of people in our world. In healthy families, there's no black sheep, no weirdos, no partiality. Even to those who are smart or musically gifted or athletically inclined, healthy families do not have a goal to crank out two or three kids that fit into some predetermined mold or mindset. No, no, no. Healthy, family, healthy families discover and develop and affirm the uniqueness of each individual member so that one day each can look back and say, my family was a great place for me. I was loved, I was affirmed, I was valued, even though I was broken. Proverbs 22, 6. It says, Train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. The literal translation is, Depending on the child, train the child. Some of our kids are simply athletes. Other people's, other kids are completely creative and artistic and all of those. Oh, the wisdom to know the difference and to raise them accordingly. An artist friend of mine said of his mother, She kissed my artistic ability into existence. Romans 15, 7 says, Accept one another. Then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God the Father. Some of you know the, the name Eric Little. He was a Christ follower who was also a missionary and also a, an Olympian. And he, was, uh, he said this of himself when others were trying to tell him how to run his life. When God made me, he made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. What are you doing to celebrate the differentness in each of your children and the differentness in your spouse. We do our birthdays kind of weird in our house. We have this plate that we get to use and only the guy that's having the birthday gets the plate. He gets to decide what supper's all about and if there's anything going on afterwards, whatever else, games or whatever else, they do that. That 
That, that plate was given to us by friends of ours years ago, and we only use it on birthdays. We celebrate the differences in each of our kids and of our spouse. Okay, let's, let's rate now how well we are doing in this one, the uniqueness of affirming every one of our, our family members. One to ten. Where are you at? The fourth characteristic of a healthy family is that healthy families avoid even the hint of favoritism. Genesis 25 speaks of the relationship between two boys, Jacob and Esau. It was a toxic relationship because it was a toxic relationship between mom and dad. There was favoritism there. They turned the boys against each other. And not only the boys fought for this, but later in years, their families, families, families all argued and stuff like this. When we are fav- show favoritism, it's a killer in our kids. The scripture says the boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter, the man of an open, of open country, while Jacob was a quiet man and he stayed among the tents. Do you see how they're different? And it says Isaac had a taste for the wild game, so he loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. That small text revealed how the favoritism destroyed the family for generations to come. These two parents used their kids to get back at them and it was toxic. Romans 2.11 says, For God does not show favoritism. God loves everyone the same. The truth here is that some kids just are more easy to connect with than others because of our personality and their personality. That does not give rights or grounds to say, well, I want to favor one over the other. Sadly, the Bible reveals, even years after these boys were dead, the families and the favoritism that was shown destroyed them. Rate yourself. How are you doing on this one? One to ten. The fifth characteristic of a healthy family vows never to abuse, never to shame or control or compete with each other. Each of those words are important. First, let's look at that real bad word, abuse. Healthy families understand that certain violations of family members are so painful and absolutely they are outlawed I know that there's many of you here today that even mentioning the word abuse causes you great pain. In my years of helping people, nothing compares to the soul damage done to children who look for parents for love and affirmation and get sexually abused instead. If that is part of your story, we want you to know that we want to help you however we can. We want, uh, we've gone through some professional help on our staff to get us ready for these kinds of situations. And we know that abuse shatters something quite deep in people, and we want to be ready to help you. When a child yearns for emotional support and gets abuse, when a child needs a kind word and yet gets yelled at, when a child needs nurturing and touch but gets slapped, when a child becomes to, begins to discover the mystery and wonder of sexuality and is greeted by a parent in the night with an evil agenda that makes the angels in heaven shriek with horror, those are the people we want to help. Healthy families recoil at the very thought of this. We need to be mindful that this is often the situation in children around our, us in our community and even in our church. We're against this, and we're doing everything we can to help. Now, I need to shift gears and to talk for a second about healthy families learning to fight right. This is not to say that healthy families never fight. They do fight, 
but they fight right. And they fight so that they disagree agreeably. Practically, I speak of how many of us talk to each other around the kitchen table or whatever else, and these heartless, evil words come out like idiot or stupid or ugly or many other names that are far more abusive than that. That is a red zone. And I'm not just, and and then some of us, when we use this kind of language, say, oh, I'm just kidding. You're not kidding, that's evil. In fact, the scripture says in Matthew 5, 21, you're familiar with the commandment of the ancients, do not murder. But I tell you that anyone who so much as is angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. Carelessly call a brother idiot and you just might find yourself hauled into court. I love the way that's translated. Thoughtlessly yell stupid and a sister and you are on the brink of hellfire. Simple mor- mortal, sorry, simple moral facts is that words kill. Wow. The book of Proverbs says your mouth can be a place of healing and encouragement or death. I'd like you to take a minute and rate how you're doing on this one. The sixth characteristic of a healthy family is showing a common spiritual foundation is needed. I want to talk about this in a little more depth in in a a message to come. But I want to just say, you need to be on the same page spiritually with your spouse or there's going to be trouble. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what does fellowship and what fellowship can light and have with darkness? With all we have against us in this world, we need a spouse who can pray with us and for us and help us to hear the voice of God, not just someone who's cute and athletic and, and, and might like you and you're glad to have them and marry them quickly. Young people, listen for this. A few words, please. Be very careful who you date because you end up marrying who you date. So watch out. Don't get even get started down the road with some twit. Be very careful who you date. Be very careful who you have as a business partner because you have make decisions and lasting decisions. If you want to make decisions with your finances as a company one way and the other person goes the other way, how's it going to be? And it's the same thing in marriage. We need to marry people with deep roots in the person of Jesus, deep roots in the character as explained in the scripture that we can help each other and grow spiritually. So rate yourself. How are you doing at avoiding certain aspects of spiritual differentness? And how are you doing clamoring to that in your friendships and the people that you date? Well, folks, those are six things. I want you to take your paper now and I want you to look at those six things. There's probably one or two of those that uh, you believe God wants to really talk to you about. I'll take a moment. And then I'm going to pray and pray that this become a new day for you, that through the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, you can be changed. You can be changed how we treat each other. You can change, be changed how we talk to each other, how we either compete and how we can change competition into a real support for, the, for each other. I loved watching my kids support each other. And I bought, I, I just, God has brought me just one of the greatest gals and, and has helped me understand this. Because all of us grew up many times in, uh, in, in uh, families that got some hurt to them. 
So, Lord, I pray that you would give my brothers and sisters great wisdom as they look through each of these six points. And if one of them jumps off the page at them, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would work in them and through them to make the proper changes in their life. None of us get it all right on this side of heaven. We all know that. But, Lord, we need your help to get most of it right with our kids and with our grandkids. So give us wisdom and courage and grace. Give us love and joy and peacefulness. May the fruit of the Spirit be ours, and may we lead our families and lean in on our, our siblings and our, every person in our family with the love and grace of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord bless you.